Hi, this is Chris. And this is John. And you're listening to the Nerdy Dadcast. Serious question here for you, John. Are you a GameStop shareholder? Unfortunately, you know, I thought GameStop was hot garbage and I didn't actually, you know, I, I don't have any shares in anything, to be honest, but I really don't have shares in GameStop. The uh, funny thing about GameStop, and I, I mean, for those that have for some reason not heard what's going on, long short of it, is that shorting was taking place. Hedge funds who make billions of dollars essentially betting on companies to lose overextended themselves. Uh, a number of savvy investors rallied essentially what's considered to be uh, Reddit, although I think it's a vast spectrum of people who have now made GameStop uh, like, I don't know, Diamond Share, whatever the heck that you call these types of things. Um, and yeah, I mean, in theory, there are people who are, I was actually reading this story about uh, this, this 10-year-old kid. His mom uh, a year or so ago, bought him a handful of shares on GameStop, and she paid like sixty bucks US for like ten shares or whatever it was. Okay, and it, what she was trying to do was teach him uh, how to to invest. And you know, here are your shares. She printed off the share certificate, and you know, you can you can sell these shares or you can hold on to them or or what have you. And uh, he is now uh, got a few thousand dollars to his name at like 11 or whatever it is, which again, I hope the lesson is that you lucked out, kid. <laughs> See, it's interesting. Yeah. I mean, I personally, like I remember I've come across people over the years. I remember working with a guy years ago and one of his favorite stories was, you know, you know, 20 years ago, I was uh, a good friend of mine was starting a company and he wanted me to buy in on that company. And, uh, you know, I just didn't have the money at the time. I didn't want to. So, uh, so I didn't, but you know, you know what the company was, it was Apple and you know, people would throw stories like that and you know, mm -hmm. maybe it was true. Maybe it wasn't, I don't really know, but yeah, a, a system like something like this where, yeah, somebody gets some random GameStop stock and suddenly they they get thousands of it, which really they should have only got like five bucks or something at this point or lost money. Cause let's, it, let's just admit things here. GameStop is not the future. You sure? I mean, can't stop, won't stop GameStop. I mean, hey, we've been covering a lot of, you know, PlayStation 5 stuff. And so they're certainly making money off of the PlayStation 5s they bring in. But other than that, you know, I'm not really sure. I personally, like, you know, got the digital one. So I'm not going to go into GameStop and buy any games there. It's just not a thing that I'm going to do. So, you know, it's it's not necessarily, they, they have a limited outlook, I think. Yeah. And I, I, again, don't have the financial literacy to even suggest otherwise, although, it's the topic of the day. Uh, mainstream media is covering it. It's all over social media. A few of the communities that I'm part of, there's people who have actually invested in GameStop. Like this was a conversation that was happening a few weeks ago. And I'm like, why, why, why would these people be buying GameStop shares? Again, I don't know a whole lot of, you know, anything about investments and investing. I know, I wouldn't even say I know the bare basics because, I mean, I own shares in Starbucks simply because they had a program that gave me them when I worked there. Fair enough. And I unfortunately can't get rid of them or sell them or do anything with them because apparently I needed to do that before I quit like mm. 12, 15, 20 years ago, whatever the long it was. Okay. So, but people are buying GameStop and I'm like, what? like why? And well, 
apparently I'm not all up on the Wall Street bets Reddit to, or subreddit. So on that note, where did you learn the majority of your money handling skills? Were your parents like really advanced in it? Did they pass down a lot of information to you? Obviously not. But, you know, where did you get your... You know, I would have to say I learned it on the mean streets of uh, Richmond growing up. And quite frankly, um, those that uh, understood, you know, investments and financial literacy uh, lived on different streets than I did. Yeah, well... Um, I'm curious. I don't know of any mean streets in Richmond. It's not the meanest place in the world, you know, for, for those of us that for our listeners that actually know the area we're in, I mean, I grew up in Surrey. So anybody that says other oh, bad streets of Surrey, you know, we have a bit of a rep there. Richmond <laughs> doesn't have that rep. I don't think. Oh yeah. It's all out in the farm fields. You just yeah. know which ones to avoid. But I, you know, I was, I was thinking about this because I was having a conversation with people and I've always had this sort of, I would say passing curiosity that I wanted to learn more about, um, you know, whether it's investing, uh, whether it's savings. And I had sort of come to the conclusion, and this is well before this business with GameStop, that I wanted Baby Forest to have a better understanding of financial literacy uh, than I did. Um, that's not to suggest like growing up, I didn't have a savings account. I did. Uh, my parents provided me an allowance. And I understood the concept of I either put it into the savings account or I spend it. The problem was that spending it for that instant gratification was always the more popular choice. I wouldn't necessarily say better, but it was the more popular choice. And I didn't have to grasp the concept that I could pull that together until probably my late teens, when I started to look at things I wanted and needing to save to acquire. But then the amount of time it would take to save would have me think, do I want that after all? So, you know, I sort of taught myself. Um, it wasn't in school. I was actually complaining about it uh, on Facebook, how I took this consumer education class that taught me how to plan a wedding. <laughs> yeah, I seem to remember, like, I saw you talking about that and it sort of brought up my own memories. And it was interesting because I remember my own business ed class in grade 10 or whatever it was. And mm -hmm. We came up in that era when uh, there were good, certainly great teachers, but there were also a lot of really bad teachers because they all came up at a time in the 70s where it was really easy to get a degree and really easy to get a job in BC. So a lot of the teachers back then were really bad. And I remember my business ed teacher for one of them was a really, really bad teacher. I'm sure she could have had great things to tell us and teach us in the class, but I think the class spent the entire year throwing paper balls at her and stuff. And again, you know, lived in the bad streets of Surrey, so that's all it's all kind of explainable, but, uh, but yeah, those classes weren't all that handy. And the, and I had a home ec class where I did a, I sewed a skirt or something too, but we didn't learn anything about banking or money or any of that. Well, and you know, just as sort of a, an aside, I actually in grade eight, where we had like this home ec industrial ed class, essentially it was like a, the taster of the trades and the, I don't know what you would call the home economics arts. I don't know. Um, the, I actually appreciated that. I actually saw value in, you know, learning sort of the basics of cooking, um, you know, this basics of sewing, basically it, it was work that you would need for life, regardless of whether or not you were going to go into the trades or you simply needed to, to live and exist. Now I had the fortune of moving out from my parents, you know, hotel into my wife's hotel. If she listens to this podcast, she'd probably appreciate me calling it that, but then she might start charging me a higher 
Right. I don't, right. I don't think she does. It's okay. <laughs> but the, the the point being is I never really had the necessary requirement to apply those skills on my own. Okay. I sort of applied them obviously as need be. But yeah, financial literacy, savings, money, none of that came up in, in school. I didn't take any classes really until my college years. And even then I didn't take like economics. I didn't take accounting. If I learned something about finance, it was because it was like a couple sentences or a paragraph in one of the business classes I took, one of the books there, or a political science class where they might have been talking about, I don't know, Bill Vanderzam's financial uh, uh, doings, which are a podcast uh, entirely different than ours. Yes, entirely. Is, I didn't get any of that 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 education, and I kind of look back and I not to say I wish I did. But it's something that I'd like to resolve. Baby force receives as she grows up. It's sort of it's like I'm identifying the gap and I'm looking to try to to fill it. See, and I think that's a really important thing because I mean, I remember personally. I think my grandmother took me for my eighth birthday, maybe, and she took me to the bank and we opened up a bank account and we put money in and and you know I had a paper route or whatever when I was a kid, so I was putting money into my bank account and eventually I stopped. And then I remember just getting a letter when I was like 19 and, you know, kids bank accounts here are free, but mm -hmm. when you turn 18, suddenly they start charging you. So they never actually warned me and they just started charging me. And suddenly they sent me a letter that I was overdrawn and they were going to close down my <laughs> account, which really wasn't nice and gave me sort of my first taste of banking. And I was like, oh, okay, no. And so I, I walked in and I closed the account and I never went to that bank again, even though. They were my bank once upon a time. But, you know, for me, I, I learned all of my financial sense by doing the opposite of what my parents did. So, I mean, we've talked about that before where many of our lessons were either from our parents or the opposite of our parents. And I'm one of those people that's opposite of parents. So my parents were not good with money, never had money, never were always borrowing money. And so I, I've done the opposite mostly. And then I spent a lot of years working in casinos and seeing people just mm -hmm. blowing huge amounts of money. And so that also gave me a little bit of sense but it never gave me any sense that i or never i never had any importance in stock or in stock market or any of that stuff because it all seemed a little ridiculous i mean i know lots of people make money off of it but you can make you can make like one company will make a billion dollars and the stock market will be upset that they didn't make a billion and a half and it's like okay <laughs> well that doesn't make sense to me really so so yeah i've never really gotten into it but you know on that note recently we've opened bank accounts for our kids and so during COVID and during all this, we started, we sort of reinstated the allowance, which was a thing that we had tried with my son for a while and it sort of fell away. But now we've reinstated the allowance and since we don't have cash and nobody has cash and you're not even really allowed to use cash these days, uh, we just figured, you know, opening a bank account and doing that and doing a little transfer into their account each week if they've got their chores done is uh, sort of where we're starting from. So we're it's interesting because we're right in that spot where we're starting to teach about savings and what you can do with your money and certain you know we want to put forward things where a certain point of their money they have to donate to a cause or something like that and you know sort of teach a savings and philanthropy and you know not necessarily stocks although hey maybe GameStop is the way to go who knows yeah well I, maybe I and mean, who knows not how anymore GameStop's no. going well I mean in theory it's in after hours training it's currently sitting like 300 some odd US if you were to buy in and it were to continue to go up 
you're getting in late in the game, you're still making money. I'm just not entirely sure. Um, I'm I'm all that confident because if there's one thing I've learned about GameStop or what we know as GameStop up here in Canada, EB Games, uh, anytime you give them something, uh, they never give you fair value back in return. Yeah. Right. That $60 game, they're, they're, you're getting a fiver back. They're going to sell it for 50 but you know, the, the math never adds up in your favor. The, the back to the, the bank account though. So uh, baby force, her uh, very first bank account was opened uh, just over a week ago. Nice. Uh, we, we hadn't really had a need uh, to open one for her uh, until um, her, her great grandmother passed away uh, last year. And, and now that the estate settled, uh, she was bequeathed uh, uh, some money and we needed an account to, have that money transferred to. So, I mean, there is now money sitting in an account in her name that she has, she knows she has. We, we showed her her card. Um, and uh, I think you might've seen the comment, but I had asked her, I'm like, oh, well, now that you have your own bank account, you can go and buy the cake pop at Starbucks. And her response was, no, daddy, that's not what this bank account's for. You need to pay for it. So she's already figured <laughs> out, like, you got others to do that for you and you keep the cash you on hand. That's right. But it's got us thinking like, well, how do we now, you know, not only establish this so that there's money set aside for her, for education, um, for her specifically, but then when do we start sort of teaching her uh, the basics of, of saving money? It doesn't have to be investments. She doesn't have to go become, you know, a Wall Street uh, tycoon before she hits 20, though she wants to and she's successful, all the power to her. Absolutely. There's Reddit groups for that. Right. Um, but, it, you know, it's like I, I, we've been sort of researching different things. So like the concept of an allowance, you had mentioned it to you had sort of spun up the uh, the allowance machine for, for your kids. Um, I was reading uh, an article that suggested instead of an allowance, you tie commission to like housework or, or things that need to accomplish. The logic is that whereas an allowance is here you go and then whatever the parameters are to, to either acquire it or, or use it is up to you. But the idea about the commission is let's say, um, we, you know, you need to ensure your room's clean this many times or, you know, dishes are done, blah, 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 blah. Like all the different sort of chores, household chores that get assigned is that each carries with it um, essentially a payment like a commission, do this, get money. And then the thought being is that your child learns that, oh, I can go and do work to make money. And then by doing and you know this much work together, there's like a bonus. So you do it all and you get like an added whatever. Okay. The logic is that you're teaching your child that you can, with hard work, you can earn money, but it also tells them that if they don't work hard, which is their choice, they also in turn can pass up on the money they would have otherwise received. I'm conflicted by this. Cause that would be too, yeah. Like I, I, I look, I think of my childhood. If I was told, here's a list of things that you need to do, Chris, and there was a dollar value associated upon completion. The first thing that I would do is dependent on the cadence as to when I would be paid is determine, do I really want this money or not? And if I don't want it, guess what? I am not going to go about doing. <laughs> I, I, would, I, I was the child in school that if you gave me a syllabus that told me what percentages I need to pass, I did the bare minimum. I passed with the 1% I needed, you know, the 1% buffer just in case. 
but I didn't do anything beyond that. So I can imagine me with allowance like that. It also kind of feeds into the myth that you, that working hard will make you rich. And that's not always true. And certainly we see a lot of rich people in society that haven't worked at all and are that. So it's sort of a, I don't know, like that sort of message I'd, I, I sort of have an issue with as well. Also, you know, it's just like there's certain we sort of we sort of message it as there's just, you know, certain jobs that everyone has to do to keep the house going. And it gets to a certain point where, you know, this is your job in the house. And if you and you're just contributing to the greater whole to keep things going, which mm-hmm. is kind of, again, a greater, you know, you contribute to society to keep whatever running that sort of deal. So I don't know, like linking money to certain things. It's it's certainly it's a consideration. And we, we have said, you know, when it's, when he gets, when one of them gets their certain amount and they want more, then we'll say, okay, well, you know, if you can get that regularly, then we'll think of other jobs that might get you more money. So it sort of has that message as well, I guess. It's a really strange thing. I tell you. Yeah. I, I was, before we click record, I was sort of giving it some thought and I'm going to, you know, completely exaggerate here. But a capitalist system would be you work and you earn. A communist system would be greater good, greater you know, greater good of the society. If everyone contributes and does their part, everyone gets the same amount. But in my mind, I view it sort of as like my concept in, on the concept of universal basic income. I'm a firm believer that you know, regardless of who you are within a, in a system, you should be given a basic level of income and that basic level of income should allow you to live. Now, I'm not suggesting it will allow you to live well, but it, it's, you know, it's, it's really the social support. I mean, it, that's my, you know, ideological belief. Well, if in my household, we were to establish something of that, where everyone sort of has the basic income, simply get this for that. But then it's upon you if you wish to do more and whatever that more would be to acquire, you know, more money or whatever it would be. Like, I, again, that's sort of the thought that I was playing with is trying to find that blended approach, which I don't know. It kind of sounds similar to what you and your wife had sort of considered that maybe it reaches that point where you have that discussion. Yeah. And it's interesting. I mean, it's, it's one of these things that you hope you put that in and it will just eliminate stress in the house. So the kids will say, Oh yeah, if I can make money, I'll go clean my room. But I don't know about you. When I was growing up, I was never really good at cleaning my room. And you know, my, my wife isn't either. It wasn't either. And so it's sort of, it's this whole thing where we're sort of making this fantastic world of unicorns and rainbows and bunnies that we can't actually expect them to logically do. And yet we kind of do, and we're saying, hey, we'll give you five bucks if you do it. But then it causes, like this weekend, it's been three days of room cleaning. Now, if I went in there and cleaned up one of their rooms, it would take me 25 minutes, maybe. But instead, it's a three-day stress fest. And, you know, in, a, in COVID times, we're already stressed enough, and everybody's at, mm-hmm. near their breaking point and all of this. So adding this to our circle has not really had the desired effect, and it's sort of added sort of more stress than anything. It's worked well a couple times, but then weekends like this, it's like, no, by the end of the weekend, we're pulling our hair out and the rooms still aren't clean. So really, what are we winning here? And, you know, we couldn't have done this when we were kids. So why do we expect them to? Yeah. The uh, other side to, you know, all of this uh, in in regards to, you know, learning about finances, money, uh, investments, what have you. I, I sort of look at the schooling that, you know, kids will receive. And I, for your kids, they're homeschooled. So you have quite a bit of control over, um, what it is that you wish to bring into the the household curriculum. I don't know 
how else to describe it. You correct me as need be. We teach them all about the pasta gods and the pastafarians, and that's really where our beliefs are. All uh, sorry, no offense to any pastafarians out there. I'm joking. <laughs> um, but then I, I look at sort of our, our current education system itself, and I kind of feel that that's an area that even still today is absent. Things might change, like if if you know baby force goes into the public school system things will will have obviously evolved and they'll continue to evolve. But that's definitely an area that I'll want to sort of guide her on and almost challenge her to, to explore herself. Um, I look back and I kind of wish I took like economics 100. Like when I, for a while, I was a professional student. I took all sorts of different classes for the sake of taking them, not for any real purpose. And I think like I look back now and what was I doing? I wanted to sort of experience, but what I was what I was experiencing weren't things that were going to like, I can't even look back and tell you why I did that. I'll bet you it was like, Oh, that class is at two o'clock on Tuesday. Great. Well, I look behind you right now and I see all those fine baskets you've weaved. So I understand the basket weaving one oh one must have been great for you. So, I mean, there's things that have passed on over the years. Yeah. But like, but yeah, I mean, like you think about that, like if, if I had taken like econ 100, I wouldn't have been, you know, the generation, our generation's Warren Buffett, um, looking to make crazy money by buying Coca-Cola shares and then being rich. I don't know how he did it. You don't understand any of it. It's all good. Yeah. He has, he, he owns more, (laughs) he owns more money than many countries or so. Um, which way too much money, but that's again, another different podcast. Yeah, totally. But I want to sort of almost encourage, maybe not challenge. I want to encourage baby force to get sort of that, foundational experience um broad spectrum learning is sort of how i look yeah. at it like I, I one of the struggles that i had as sort of a teenager into my early 20s is where some of the friends were told oh you gotta you gotta take you know math 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 you need to take sciences they're the only uh, subjects that are important and i'm like well, i'm not saying they're not and if you love them you should take them but that shouldn't be at the expense of that broad spectrum learning because you need all of that for life. Yeah. So we do sort of a, right now we're sort of learning, leading towards what's called unschooling and just sort of letting them go where their interests go. And both of my children are very, they know their interests and they know who they are. And it's interesting because I didn't know who I was until, I don't know, 42 or something. So so you know who you are? Yeah, it's been a, it's been a recent thing. So, but yeah, I mean, my son's going to be a robotic engineer. That's where he is. My daughter, she's an artist. She knows she's an artist and that's it. So I pushed them in doing, you know, math and some languages and some, so some science, we cover that every day, but uh, otherwise we're doing a lot of activities that they're sort of into and learning from those activities and learning more of a, definitely a broader thing. And sure, we, we certainly check the boxes that we need to, but at the same time they can excel and go ahead in whatever they want and if they aren't really interested in something and it's not really important we won't cover it i'm not really getting into great battles of north american armies in the 1700s you know that stuff it's great to have some sort of historical knowledge but i don't really use it in my day-to-day basis unless i really need like a really good twitter knockdown and i need to pull out the battle of 1812 or something and boom it's over but you know our day-to-day life stuff we, we know what we use, we know what we don't. And, you know, certainly in the year of COVID and we're suddenly used, looking at percentages and math that we didn't think we had ever have to do, but now we do. And so there are certainly surprises to that. And I think you have some of a basic, solid educational background and a 
and sort of a thirst for knowledge, which all too often gets knocked out of you in the public school system. So, I mean, mm-hmm. that's sort of like you were talking about your own just getting getting barely by. I remember being the same kid and being like very, I was a very a smart kid, but then I remember they'd put you into like, they put me into advanced classes and be like, oh, well, what do you want to learn? And I'd say, oh, well, I want to learn about how does remote control work? Because I was really obsessed with remote control cars at that point. And they were like, oh, no, we can't teach you that. How about you learn about pyramids instead? I was like, pyramids? <laughs> no, I don't want to learn about pyramids. And so stuff like that. I mean, it's, it's certainly the school system is better today, but there still is a lot of problems. And uh, and yeah, I mean, this is currently our path. It's working. It's not. The, it might not be the permanent path. The kids want to go into school and that's fine. But um, and yeah, with COVID, well, okay, right now with COVID, it's not fine because I'm not going anywhere near those germ factories. But uh, yeah, you know. You know, it's interesting. If you wanted to learn about remote control, like essentially RF, yeah, that would have been a phenomenal technology to explore and get into. I mean, if we think about our generation, the career path that would have been opened up if that curiosity was fostered. Yeah, then, exactly. Right? Like I... I I mean, we're a little off the rails, but that's what we do. I mean, I think about, you know, my education. I clearly understood that political science um, was sort of my, that's where my interests lie. Like I'm, I love politics. I don't love politics, <laughs> but like it's, 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 it's conflict internal. Like I, I love the, the, the conversation that has happened and pulling the themes from it. Cause it's where the history part of me kicks in, learn from your past to repeat the mistake or not repeat your mistakes. Problem is we don't learn from our past and we continue to repeat many mistakes. Uh, again, entirely different podcast, but my hope is that with, you know, baby force, if that were to come up, she wants to, you know, explore uh, remote control. Um, and that's not, let's say given to her like our, we haven't, you know, for all certainty determined what we'll do, but we're probably going to have her in the public school system. If she were to express that interest, it got shot down there. You can bet your bottom dollar. It's something that I'm going to try to explore and foster here. If mm-hmm. I have to learn about RF myself, which frankly, I am getting older and much less wise. <laughs> Here's go on. It's also interesting how fast they outpace you and how how quickly they're smarter than you. And I mean, that's sort of, like I said earlier, I consider myself a fairly somewhat, you know, I'm not an idiot, but at the same time, I already noticed that there's things my eight year old knows more about than I could ever hope to. And Mm -hmm. so, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't take long before they're, they're passing you by. Yeah. Now the other thing as well, I, I also look at and sort of bring it back to the conversation of finances. This is vested interest. One is that, um, you know, depending on how the world goes, um, the wife and I may need to lean on her for for the potential support. And the hope is that, you know, in that particular case, the we have provided her with a financial, you know, foundation that she can in turn, you know, potentially support us. I mean, I'm not trying to say we're going to hit the reverse the bank of mom and dad to the bank of daughter, but, you know, there, like, I mean, I look at our, our current uh, support system. Like, is there any guarantee that a Canadian pension plan will exist by the time that we might need to access it? Um, for someone who started late in the game into setting up his own, uh, you know, RRSP and, and, and retirement plan, I'm in a position where might I have to work until I'm, you know, however long. I know it's not too late to start, but the problem is 
I mean, the one thing I learned about compound interest is I didn't take advantage of it when I was in my twenties, where if I had put in two, like, was it $2,000 away for six years? Like I even had $2,000 to put away for those six years. In my early yeah, 20s. no, <laughs> I'd have like, you know, well over a million dollars theoretically by the time I retire, whereas I could start putting $2,000 away now and I wouldn't even come close. But. Yeah. And I mean, on that note, it's kind of easy to play. What if you can say like, I can do the same thing where, you know, I went and traveled and did extensive travels in my twenties and spent, you know, 30 or 40,000 that I, it was good money spent really, because it gave me experiences and knowledge and sort of a, a worldview that I wouldn't have had otherwise. Um, I could have taken that money and put it in the bank and I would have however much net by now, you know, but I would have lost those experiences. I think, you know, giving our children sort of the opportunity, the idea that they can do this and, you know, probably doing better. Like I've said with my kids, you know, my, my son had been on more plane trips by the time he was two than I had been when I, when I was 26. So they have a lot more opportunities and sort of, sort of putting it on that. And we, so we do two things. One, we want to make sure that they're very thankful and, and understand that they have, they're very privileged and they have opportunities to do things that a, not everyone does, but you know, it's just also a, to understand that whole concept and then B to, yeah, certainly give them the ideas of where they can go. And, you know, if saving money is a good, is what my son wants to do at 18, 19, then good on him. Um, if he doesn't, if he wants to go school, get drunk in Europe for however long, you know, if Europe's still there, why not? Yeah. So have have at her. Yeah. Have at her. So it's, you know, it's, it's giving them the abilities to be able to make these choices in the longer run. And I mean, looking back at myself in my twenties, I was pretty much an idiot. So hopefully we teach them a little better than that and they can go out and make their own mistakes at that time. Well, and actually, you know, that is a good point you raised. Like I look back at my, my twenties, I do not regret one well, I regret a few things, but I don't regret the experiences that I had. I don't regret being that professional student where I took five years in a two-year program, right? Like I don't, none of that is <laughs> stuff that I look back on and I'm like, I regret. There are times where I kind of look back and wish I maybe, you know, had better foresight when yeah. I started, you know, doing like doing the two-year program over the course of five years. And it wasn't like I slowed down the number of classes I was taking. No, I, I took essentially equivalent, like the equivalent number of classes one takes for a graduate degree, but I just took a two-year program and continued to do it. <laughs> and I didn't leave it to like, this is, the, I mean, I'm going venting. And it was a community college too. You couldn't even get a degree. Well, that's the thing. I could have actually, because I was at a, a university college, I could have walked out with like at least an associate degree. I could have walked out with two associate degrees and I walked out with a diploma. So And some really nice, nice baskets back there. I, I like the that's weaving. Right. Yeah. The, you know, so I, I, I think, you know, in, when it comes to that point where Bay Horse wants to, like, I'll totally support her. And I, you know, where she goes, I think I might be able to better provide the advice of here's what I did, why I did it and what I might change. Now that you have that information and the, the intelligence that I'm able to share you in turn, you make your decision. And if it happens to be like, yeah, you know what? YOLO, I'm going to be like my dad. Cool. <laughs> Yeah. Because, yeah. Yeah. Now, um, one final thing, sort of as we kind of pivot here, uh, when it comes to, to making an investment, uh, how are you feeling about that uh, PlayStation 5 you, you acquired? Or actually, I should ask, has it actually shown up yet? 
yes, yes, I have it. And my God, it's not until you actually pull it out of the box or see the box. I mean, lots of people talk about how big it is and how like just it is big. Mm-hmm. And I didn't like I, my cords weren't quite long enough to put it where I wanted to put it. So now it's just by the TV and we, we got a good TV last year. And so but it's it's like half the height of the TV. And I thought my TV was big. But yeah, you know, honestly, I've been I've been enjoying it quite a bit. I've been playing it playing it a lot. So I'm uh, I'm glad that I finally got it and I've sort of now that I have it I can't I'm not, the bitterness of cl- clicking on websites I've just erased that out of my head now. It's all it was all the golden age and b- golden shiny memories and of click, clicking refresh on websites totally. So yeah, it's been good. Yeah, I I'm still in this position where I haven't used it all that much, but I mean the struggle I have really what it comes down to is where it is. It's uh, connected to the one television we have in our, our household. And if I were to be using it, um, it essentially takes the television away from my wife who may also wish to use it. And when you don't have anywhere else you can really go in a small condo as we are, I kind of defer if I get time. So I have, I have fired it up a few times. I still have miles Morales, um, available to me. I have yet to actually play it. Uh, I got Assassin's Creed Valhalla still shrink wrapped. Yeah. See, I, I don't have anything shrink wrapped. What's this well, shrink wrap you talk about? Yeah. You and just digital download to your heart's content. I, I talk about, you know, do I move it in here and hook it up to my, my computer monitor? Like I could in theory do that, but to the point of how big that console is, I actually don't know where I would put it if I don't mount it to the wall. Well, there is, and it's kind of switching. I mean, it's kind of on the subject, I guess. But the people that put out the uh, the Genki audio adapter for the Nintendo Switch that I think we mm-hmm. both we both uh, kickstarted, um, they've put out an adapter now for PlayStation and or Switch that will make it work on your monitor and or yeah. microwave and or fridge screen if you've got one of those i don't know they're pretty fancy so um so yeah i contemplated it you certainly have those options and you know in in our house it's sort of you know we can have a laptop or the ipad my my wife doesn't mind watching shows on that so i kind of warned them that once we had it i would sort of lock myself into it for a while and so i've been doing a lot of miles morales and i haven't i'm doing one game at a time because i don't even know like you mentioned Assassin's Creed. I don't know what version to get. It's kind of ridiculous. It's like they they run from like sixty nine to like three hundred and twenty dollars, and there's like a hundred and fifty dollar version that you get that has DLC. And then I was looking at it for you know five minutes one night, and I was like, okay, well, I'm gonna wait till they go on sale in about a year from now, and then I'll decide. Mm-hmm. And maybe well, that's true, Valhalla, maybe it's not. But yeah, Valhalla I got on sale. Like that one yeah. was like a Boxing Day sale, I think. Um, so I'm not too upset that I, I picked that one up. I'm not a big Assassin's Creed fan. Like I know there are some who love it. Um, what drew me to Valhalla was the Valhalla part, the Vikings. Oh, totally. Uh, right. That's, I mean, that's what brought me into the back into the world of Assassin's Creed. My, my father was born in Norway. I've spent extensive time in Norway myself. So when you see, say a game on a next gen system that you can play in ancient Norway and I was like, Oh, hell yeah. Sign me up. So, you know, I will definitely go there, but we'll do Spider-Man first. Yeah. I was just thinking about this now. I think the last Assassin's Creed I played was Black Flag. And again, it wasn't Assassin's Creed that drew me to the title. It was the, I get to play pirates. The problem is it really wasn't 
I didn't know what I was getting into when I got that game. That was part of the problem. And while there was, I got to play pirates, it wasn't really pirates. It was more like I'm a ninja who happens to be a pirate. See, I've never really played an Assassin's Creed game. I think I played one on PlayStation 2 or something. So again, it was just the, the Vikings and it's gotten good reviews. And I was like, yeah, okay, I'm in. But I haven't bought it yet. One day. Yeah. Well, if there's something I am learning about all these games that I end up buying and I don't necessarily like, is it just helps me reinforce the need to teach my daughter uh, that she needs to make sound investments and sometimes model investments uh, pay off. So but on that note, I mean, when we were kids, we put time investments into certain games. I mean, I played certain mm-hmm. games. I'd play the same part of that game for six months straight and you know so i was never very good with time investments obviously because i don't now if i if i get stuck on a gate part in the game for any more than 10 minutes i'm like no i'll just look that up online i'm not gonna sit here and figure it out oh, man, so, yeah, we just have to cut dial that one nine hundred number at 599 a minute if we have our parents permission totally so i mean i didn't have a very good idea of time investment when i was kids so i don't know like do we teach that to them it's like no if you if you get stuck on a part just give up look online it's all good <laughs> is that yeah. a good message i'm not sure yeah the instant the instant uh, well it's not instant gratification but it's instant solution that results in gratification that is i will admit there are times where even now like i'll be playing a game and i'm like something's not going the way it's supposed to be going i'm not necessarily getting this right what's going on oh what the hell google yeah and off i go so hey, hey siri how do i get through this part yeah that's it <laughs> She tells you, or she doesn't. Usually doesn't. But, uh, yeah. But here we are at the uh, end of uh, another solid episode. This was, I think, episode 25. Thanks, more than that. Yeah. So not, I, oh, I, I count to three by going one plus one. Yeah. In 2020, I think we've, we've did like 6,400 episodes in 2020. So it was a really yeah. long year. That's true. I don't know what yeah. episode this is. No, but whatever. Um, We'll be back in a couple of weeks time, obviously, but in the interim, we'll be playing games. I'm still trying to figure out Eve online. If I, in fact, Eve online has a market I should start investing in the ISK market on, on Eve. There you go. People are talking about, well, there are people who have done the math and that like, there's this big, battle that's sort of ongoing right now um that's like actually got real world value like if you calculate the amount of in-game currency that is being lost in this battle it equates to millions of dollars real world dollars that you you could actually like not necessarily acquire easily but you can actually sell in-game currency for this other currency that's real money that people buy so like yeah anyhow. okay games i'm just smiling and nodding i know nothing about eve online <laughs> neither do i and i'm playing it so i should tell you a lot all right but uh, what final words of wisdom you have for all of our listeners there john uh you know it's just on our on our theme tonight i think it's important to uh foster your children's knowledge and sort of let let it go where it takes them and help them help them on that path and not to yeah, and then they'll take over the stock market, and you'll never see it coming, but it'll be great. Yeah. Uh, my final words of wisdom is what I said before. Can't stop, won't stop, GameStop. <laughs> well, that night, I need to figure out those Starbucks shares that I, I think I still own. Like, they were worth not 
horrible money when I had them when I worked there and how many years have gone by since. I mean, I would could, think that Starbucks has been okay since then. You could be a millionaire and not even know it. That's yeah, true. I could be, uh, you know, this podcast is sponsored by Chris Golden, the Starbucks millionaire. <laughs> Sweet. We know. Yeah. You can start, you know, paying us. But uh, yeah, I don't think I'm that rich. No. Anywho, uh, on behalf of John, myself, Chris, thanks for tuning in. You can find us online at nerdydadcast.com. We're at twitter.com slash nerdydadcast. Uh, I saw that uh, you bounced uh, that story that I shared uh, about uh, hugs and smooches with baby force. So you'll occasionally see soppy stuff like that from me. I just felt like sharing it and why, I think, why we do that. I think it's important. And then uh, we're on Facebook as well. Facebook.com slash nerdydadcast. Um, but as I've since learned, Facebook does not like the fact I have a million different pages. So I'm, yeah, I'm if you mess just there, we, if you mess just there, we might answer you. It's hard to say. Yeah, Twitter's the best place. At least I know I can see it if it pops up, and I know that John is also actively monitoring account. So thank you for tuning in as always. But guess what? I'm just going to ask you to do one that simple thing, and that is stay nerdy, my friends. <laughs>